You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. Route 17 over the Appalachian Gap, also known as the App Gap, remains open year-round, even though it's windy and steep as it climbs past Mad River Glen, through Buell's Gore, and over to Starksboro. Jonathan Croft, who heads the mapping section at the Vermont Agency of Transportation, is something of a road historian. We met at his office in Barrie in January to talk about the App Gap, historic roads, and the dirt roads of East Barnard. Here's Jonathan. So the road that goes through the App Gap, Vermont 17, it goes back quite a ways, and it was laid out as a town highway going from Starksboro to Faston, and then finally making a connection in Waitsfield. And there were two gores there, Buell's Gore and Avery's Gore. So this was a town highway that got laid out, pretty much a path up through the through the notch, through the Appalachian Gap. And it really was very difficult to maintain, and it fell out of use, and it was finally discontinued in the 1870s. And then at one point, there were three individuals. There was John Wright in Starksboro and James McCullough, or A.I. McCullough. And then there was another, W.C. Evans, who were the landowners along this route that decided to put in a toll road or a turnpike. So they, in 1933, created the A.I. McCullough Mountain Turnpike Road, or Turnpike Mountain Road. So they, they created this toll road, and on either side in Starksboro and then in Faston, they had a toll gate and charged a dollar to pass in a, a fairly primitive road. And I'm not sure how well developed it ended up being, because in 1936, the state ended up buying that right-of-way that they bought a, a three-rod right-of-way, which is 49 and a half feet wide, by about 4.9 miles long. So essentially buying the right-of-way of the Turnpike Association, they ended up taking that on. They, they bought the right-of-way for $7,500. And so that is how it came into state existence. But then the state had the challenge of actually developing it into a highway that was fully passable. And to do that, they called upon the Civilian Conservation Corps. So the Civilian Conservation Corps was called in to actually build the road. And they started on the Faston side and built the road from the existing town highway, the State A Town Highway, and built it up the mountain to the location of Mad River Glen, and then continued all the way to the App Gap. And that was completed in the 1940s. And then after that, they worked from the Starksboro side up through Buell's Gore to make the connection, which finally didn't happen until the, the mid-1950s. And it was a, a dirt road initially. And then they used another treatment called surface-treated gravel, where you put down gravel and then you spray that with an asphalt to create a hard surface. So it stayed as surface-treated gravel until the 1955 when they started to actually pave it with bituminous concrete pavement. And it really wasn't fully paved until the 1970s. Do you know when you were talking about it being, you know, kind of a toll road or a turnpike where you had to pay to get over it. Was that on both sides, do you know, or was that on one side? No, it was on both sides. You had John Wright, who was on the Starksboro side, and it's in the point where there's a, a town highway that goes off up toward Huntington. So at that location was was John Wright's, and then on the Faston side was James McCullough. And so the, that's the location of the toll gate. So it was on both sides that a dollar to pass and there were areas along the along the route where vehicles could pass each other. That's a windy road, and it's open year-round. You know, it's got a lot of 
twists and turns. It can be a little scary on on some days. Has it always kind of the the footprint always been the same? Like the the paved route that's there now, that's the original route? No, I think that the route may be different. When it was laid out that when the state took it over, they bought the right of way that was there. And then they went through the engineering process. And when the CCC came on board, they had to buy additional right of way that it was first 49 and a half feet wide. And that was not wide enough to do what they needed. So they actually bought a 500 foot right of way. And then after all of the work was done, they settled on just retaining a hundred foot wide right of way and then selling off the land to the adjoining landowners. And much of that land now is public land. I don't know if this is true. I've I've read it a bunch of times on social media, and I don't know if it's true that it's the highest paved state road in Vermont. I don't know. Is that? Vermont 17 has a lot of superlatives through that segment. This is one of those we can actually quantify it and, and get into some details. It does have really high elevation. There are other other highways that or roads that it may be higher, like the toll road up Mount Mansfield. But for state highways, it is very high. I don't know if the crest of Smuggler's Notch on Vermont 108 is higher or not. It is it is the route that has the the steepest grade at over 15% on the Bules Gore side. And then it is the most sinuous segment of highway over the course of the four plus miles of McCullough Turnpike. It has the most curves, including a whole series of switchbacks, the steepest road, and probably one of the more challenging roads to maintain during the wintertime. Oh, I can imagine trying to plow that. That must be yeah. must be tricky. Why was it named McCullough Turnpike? I know one of the people you spoke about, his name was McCullough. How did he get it? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> after well, him? That, that's where A.A. McCullough, his first name is A.I., yeah. It is how it's spelled. So I'm assuming it's A.A. McCullough. But he was one of the, the chartering members of the Association for the Turnpike. Mm. So I'm pretty sure that that's how it got named. But also McCullough is where the turnpike ended on the Faceton side. So or began on the Faceton side, depending upon which direction you're going from. Do you know if people still call it that? I've never heard it. The McCullough Turnpike? Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, that's still definitely in use. That's great. Okay. Then there's a lot of mountain roads, like nearby, you've got Lincoln Gap, which is closed in the winter. There's also roads like Hazen's Notch and the Notch between Stowe and Cambridge. Why is the App Gap open in winter, as steep as it is and and all of that? Why does it stay open when others don't? The App Gap is primarily kept open during the winter for access. If you think about connections between the east side of the state and the west side or vice versa, they're really not many that with 108 closed, you have the interstate. And then if you go south, you have Vermont 125. It goes from Middlebury to Hancock. You'd really have to detour a significant amount if there wasn't another connection. And you have a lot of traffic that goes to the ski areas during the wintertime. There's really a need to have a highway that stays open. In the case of Lincoln Gap, that's a town highway, a class, class two town highway connecting Warren to Lincoln. And that has extremely steep grades. It's very narrow in places, and it becomes a hazard for road crews to try to keep that open. And also, it may not have the traffic during the wintertime as other routes may have. So that's an interesting case where our statutes were changed as a result of the Lincoln Gap, that there's a provision that if a highway is too difficult to maintain during the winter and puts your road crew in safety, the select board can go through a process of closing those segments 
but still be able to maintain their state aid for those segments. So linking gap is that case. But the app gap, if it wasn't accessible to travel during the winter, there would be really a long detour, very much like with 108 being closed, the detour that you have to do to go from from Cambridge to Waterbury or other areas. Right. Yeah, that, that is long when that's closed in the winter. Do you ever hear anything about what it's like to plow through the app gap? Have you ever heard any stories? Or no, anything? but I have to say the fortitude of the road crews that go go through in rough conditions, it, it's pretty incredible. Absolutely. And I have to say the road crews do an amazing job because I used to work for Don Lathrop, who lived in Bristol, and he was one of our engineers. And I think there were only two days that Don wasn't able to make it to work via the app gap. One was an ice storm and the other a tree was over the road. I remember when Governor Douglas was in office and he used to take the app gap from Middlebury to Montpelier, you know, so his driver would take him over that or he'd take his, I think it was his Dodge Neon that they talked about. So yeah, you have to keep it clear for people to get through. Let's talk a little bit about Vermont's oldest roads. So Vermont has a really rich history with the roads. We have a history that goes back to the colonies that you have New Hampshire and New York were colonies and they were chartering towns. First being chartered was Bennington. So that's in 1749. So with the influx of settlers into those, they needed roads. So as a, a newly chartered town, they're starting to lay roads out. But there are also some other things that are happening. There are armies that are moving around that we have three wars that are fought here. So there are cases of the Crown Point Road being built going from fort to fort. The Bailey-Hazen Road, that happens in the, 17, the 1770s and 1780s, and that's another military road. But that's under the Continental Congress that's building that. But you have towns that are laying out roads for their own purposes to be able to have access throughout a, a town as they're being chartered. So 1749 and throughout, you have towns laying out roads, and some of them are, are laid out by the General Assembly. The, the legislature is laying out roads to make larger connections between one county to another. So you have county roads, you have towns laying out roads, there are private roads that are being built. So there's, there's a lot of history with, with highways all across the state and roads. For me, there's a distinction between a road and a highway. A road is any road that's out there, a travelable way. But when we talk about highways, those are ones that have been laid out through a, either a statutory process or maybe by the courts or the General Assembly that have a, have a public context. They're a public right of way. So a highway is a road, but a road is not necessarily a highway. And a highway isn't just the interstate, you know, right? It's, that, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We have the Vermont state routes. We have the U.S. routes in the interstate. And they're, they're all highways. What about, I've read about, and I, I don't know much about them, you know, you mentioned a toll road before with Route 17. Can we talk about toll roads, shunpikes, and turnpikes? Do you have a little description of those, or can you talk yeah. about what those are? Well, we, we have three toll roads in the state of Vermont, and they're all private. One is the toll road up Mount Mansfield, another is a toll road up Equinox, and the other is a toll road up Burke. And so those are our current toll roads. But a turnpike is similar to a toll road, and it would be an association or a corporation that is created to create a private road that then they put a toll on. So a turnpike is a private road that, that there's a fee to travel on it. And there were a whole series of turnpikes within the state of Vermont. Right now, we just have the remaining three toll roads. Okay. Do you know where some of these 
turnpikes were? Yeah, there was a, a turn, well, the McCullough Turnpike, and there was a turnpike that went from Royalton to Woodstock. And there, there were just numerous others. Do you know what a shunpike is? I, I do. So, so a shunpike is an interesting case where you have folks that they don't want to have to pay the toll. And so by not wanting to pay the toll, they take a detour. So they shun the turnpike and thus the shunpike. So it's essentially a detour around the toll gate so you don't have to pay the toll. And do those, could you find remnants of those places now? Yeah, there are, there are shunpikes in the, in the state, like Shunpike Road in Williston is a good example, that they still retain the name. Oh, wow. And then are others maybe just sort of overgrown areas you'd see or old, I don't know, could they, you spot them they, or identify they could, them? They could be overgrown or they could, could be cases where there are other town highways that are in their place that they were used to go around the turnpike. Uh-huh. And turnpikes may have been taken over by towns or the state at some point in time and they may remain as just town highways. Are there other interesting histories you could share, kind of offbeat stories about Vermont roads? Do any come to mind? You know, there are some amazing stories about Vermont roads. There's this bike ride in Braintree called the Circus Ride, and I'd never heard of it before until a few months ago, and it climbs over Randolph Gap, and apparently it was named after this circus that traveled from Randolph to Rochester, and... It was noted that there were elephants that pulled up the wagons over the ridge, and then they switched the elephants to go behind the wagons to ease them back down. And who knows if that's even, I don't know if that's true. Like I looked it up and I read about it, about this bike ride, but you know, you wonder too, like are some of these things just kind of local lore? You know, it's it's probably hard to to find how accurate some of that stuff is. I, I think there's probably more truth to it. And it's it's just a matter of delving into the history and and talking to to the right people that, yeah. that there are amazing resources out there that have these stories that are that are kept and folks that wrote some of these things down or finding that circus poster. So I I think that there's probably those those little threads, there's probably a lot more behind it. Yeah. So. I'm sure. That's interesting. So let's talk about you. So you run the mapping section at the Vermont Agency of Transportation, and you've worked here for nearly 25 years? Nearly 25 years. When yeah. will you hit 25? What in, month? in July. In July, yeah. okay. So how did you become interested in mapping and road history? So the mapping part, it goes back a, a long ways. It goes back to my dad, who was a forester and a surveyor. And in his office, he always had maps and surveys and plans and aerial photos laid out on his drafting table. It was always fascinating to look at those and get a sense of place of, of what was out on his drafting table. And my brother and I pretty much grew out in the outdoors and having a really close attachment to place. So that's probably my first introduction to maps and aerial photography. I went off to the University of Vermont thinking I was going to be a physicist and really kind of got wrapped around the axle with math, that my math skills were not as strong as what was necessary to be a physicist. So I had not declared a major, so it made it very easy for me to take a smorgasbord of classes and see what made sense. And geography was a very natural fit. And I learned a lot about physical geography, geomorphology, geology, and also history. So from those, I started down a path of, of becoming a geographer. And the last semester of my senior year, I took a course at the Spatial Analysis Lab run by Gary Smith. And 
it was in geographic information systems, essentially computer mapping, digital mapping. And I took that course. And when I got out of college, within a week, I had a job at the Central Vermont Regional Planning Commission doing GIS work in mapping. And during the pilot project of testing the feasibility of GIS in the state. And it was an extraordinary experience to learn GIS as GIS was being developed and built out for the state. And from that, I worked there for nine years and then then was able to get this position at the Agency of Transportation and have just continued learning about mapping all along. Talk a little bit about what the mapping section does for Vermont. So we do some pretty amazing things. We are an archive of maps of town highway maps that go back to the 1930s. The first set was done in 1931. And annually, we map all of the town highways that change. So municipalities send us information on any additions, discontinuances, reclassifications, and alterations that have happened during the previous year. And we record that mileage. The changes go onto the map, but then the mileage totals go into the formula for payment of state aid. That's kind of our mission is to actually maintain the mileage, but the maps are an outgrowth to be able to see where where those miles are, the classified town highway mileage, where is it? Are there a lot of changes year to year or is it pretty? So the, the fluctuation in mileage is probably a couple of miles change class each year overall. Some towns are adding a lot. Some towns are discontinuing. Some towns are reclassifying, just depending upon what's happening. So there's not a huge amount of change in the grand scheme, but we may have 50 to 60 towns or municipalities that do make changes in a year. Mm-hmm. And we're also trying to improve the quality and content of the data that we're mapping something that's on the ground in a digital format. And we use remote sensing techniques. We have high-resolution LIDAR data, which is a terrain model that, that's collected by an airborne laser sensor. Mm-hmm. And we can see through the tree canopy and see those roads on the on the landscape, along with cellar holes, and correlate that to maps from the 1870s, and just some really fascinating things that, that we're working on. So we started out with hand-drawn maps that were hand-drawn in a very rudimentary way, and now we're using very, very sophisticated systems of aerial imagery, the orthophotography, and the LIDAR data, and are really able to zero in on exactly where these are located. And the maps include class four roads too? They do. Can you tell us the difference between the classes of roads? Sure. So there are state highways. They're owned by the state of Vermont, and they include state highways, U.S. routes, and the interstate. And then there are town highways, which are under the authority and owned by the municipalities. So municipalities could be a town, a city, a gore, a grant, incorporated villages. They're incorporated for highways. They're municipalities, but we just tend to call them town highways. There are essentially four classifications of town highway. Class one, and those are the extensions of state highways. So when the state highway system was acquired, there are segments that were not were not acquired, like within cities or, or built up villages, where the municipality wanted to maintain those highways. So those are class one. So the case would be right here in, in city of Barrie, US 302 goes through, that's class one town highway through the city um, and state highway outside of that. So there's class one, they're class two, and those are the larger arteries that 
pass through towns and make connections into other towns. They carry a lot more traffic. They're usually far, far better maintained, wider paved highways. So those are class two. And then there are class three and class three are the, the roads that are traveled highways all year round. There, there's a specific standard and statute that defines them as being travelable all year round. So they're maintained in the winter time and then have sufficient width and drainage to keep them maintained. If a highway is not class one, two, or three, it falls in the default category of class four. Those are highways that are town highways. They may or may not be maintained. It's at the discretion of the select board. They tend to have a character sort of under their own. They're the, the very rural, possibly go to a maybe a, a woodlot or to a camp or, or make a connection into sort of the very remote areas of the state. What town did you grow up in, Vermont? I grew up in Barnard, but more specifically East Barnard, which is really not an incorporated village. It's a hamlet within the town of Barnard. Are there a lot of class four roads there? There are a few class four roads there. A lot of yeah. dirt roads? A lot of dirt roads. It's, it's essentially seven miles of dirt road to get to East Barnard, except there's a tiny patch of paved road in front of the, the former general store to keep the dust down. And speaking of dirt roads, I know that Vermont has more dirt roads than paved or more miles of dirt roads than paved roads. Do you see that changing anytime soon? I mean, is it kind of like neck and neck right now? So this is interesting. It's paved highways are a lot easier to travel on. But when you think about town road crews, a paved road has to have a contractor come in and repave it, where a dirt road they can do that maintenance themselves. So I think there's a lot of ease of maintenance of the dirt roads, the unpaved highways. I'm really not seeing things change. There's also a lot of cost to paved highways. And by, by changing that, I think it could, could make it challenging for towns to try to keep up their roads. So I'm not, I'm not really seeing it change. And certainly it would change the character of Vermont. I think people love that fact that there's more miles of dirt roads than paved ones in the state. Growing up in East Barnard with dirt roads everywhere, and that's a pretty rural part of the state and very scenic and beautiful. Do you have, a, I don't know, a favorite Vermont road or that you want to share? It's like picking your favorite child, but I do have some highways that I really enjoy that I used to commute from Burlington to Montpelier. And Coming over French Hill on I-89, as you start down the, the slope and being able to see Camel's Hump for the first time, and then as you continue down to the valley floor, you have Mount Mansfield off to the, off to the north. It's just a really magical thing. And on a crisp February morning, that the skies are clear and maybe some steam coming off the Winooski. It's a pretty cool sight. I get a little bit of that now in my commute from Essex to Berry City with Vermont 117. Almost at the Essex-Jericho line, you get a, you get a good view of, of Camel's Hump through that valley, which is pretty amazing. There's a, another segment of highway, which I'm always fascinated by, because it was probably laid out in maybe the 1760s, maybe 1770s, and that's Center Road in Hardwick in Greensboro. And it just seems like it is straight for miles and miles. It undulates through the farmland of, of Orleans County or Caledonia and Orleans County. 
And it's just always amazing. And it's just sort of the quintessential Vermont road, but is an extraordinarily straight segment of highway. It's pretty incredible. And then the last I would just say is all the roads that go into East Barnard. <laughs> that It's a place that you don't just stumble upon. You have it as your destination. It's not a location that you go to because it's on, on the way to somewhere else because there really is not another somewhere else <laughs> that you need to have it as your destination. But all the roads that go in there are pretty incredible and very, very much the, the Vermont Town Highway. I think last year... In 2022, I saw something on Seven Days Stuck in Vermont, and I think they did something on the East Barnard Roads during mud season. Yeah, I know those roads very well. If towns paved all their roads, there would be no mud season. So, yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. So not that mud season is great, but the East Barnard Crier giving the directions of which highways are the worst and, and which detours to make to get back home. I think it's really an important thing. But yeah, mud season can be bad and every year is a little different. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. I'm Erica Housekeeper. You can find more stories and podcasts on my website, happyvermont.com. Thanks again. Take care and talk to you soon.